This week's parsha is Parshas Vayechi. In Perak Nun Pasuk Yudalad, the Pasuk says, and you have to pay attention to the repetitiveness of the Pasuk, Vayashav Yosef Mitzrayim, Yosef returns to Egypt, Hu ve'echa v'chala o'elam itai likbares aviv, he and his brothers and all that came with them to bury his father, after they buried his father. A very seemingly repetitive, extraneous pasuk. Yasef returns to Mitzrayim after going down with his brothers and all of the entourage to bury their father. After they bury their father. Why would the pasuk say this? And there's a beautiful vart from the Rugged Shaver. The Rugged Shaver needs no introduction. He was the, perhaps the greatest mind in the Jewish world in the 1900s. And the Rugged Shaver, with his brilliance, refers us to a Gemara in Brachis, and then he refers us to Yerushalmi in Mesechas Tainus. And the Gemara in Brachis which is really also quoted by that Yerushalmi, discusses Seder has Seba. In the olden days, when people were sitting down to eat, they didn't sit on a table and chairs like we do, but rather, as we know from Seder night, they sat has Seba. They had couches, and they reclined on their left side, and that's how they would eat. So... Let's say, the Gemara says, there were two people that were sitting and wanting to eat together or to schmooze together, and they were going on the same couch. So what is the order? How, do they, how are they placed on this couch? So the Gemara says that if there are two people, The greater of the two assuming that these two people are clearly uh, not in the same uh, status of chashivas, so the more chashiva one sits on the, or reclines on the right-hand side, and the other one is by his feet on the left-hand side. I'm sorry, the opposite. There, the, he sits over here, and the one... Is on his the the less chashav one is on his right hand side by his feet. I think I said that the first time, right? Okay. So why why is it that way? Because that way, if I want to talk to him, if let's say I'm the more chashav one and I want to schmooze with him, I don't have to like get up and lean over to talk to him. But rather, I'm able to just I'm reclining in this position anyway, so I could just schmooze with him directly. I don't have to get up. And, and speak to the guy who is above me, but rather I could just speak to him this way, because he's sort of within my eye range. Let's say, the Gemara says, there are three people. Let's say there is A, B, and C. A is the most chashuv, B is the second, and C is the less chashuv, the least chashuv. So the gadol shabahan is in the middle. Number two, the silver medalist, he is above me, meaning he sits to my left, and the bronze medal is to the right of me down there. And even though you're going to say, well, why should that be? It should be that the silver medal winner should be on, on the lower part of the bench. That way I'm able to talk to him directly, and I probably want to talk to him more than I want to talk to the bronze medal guy. But it wouldn't be by covered for the silver medalist to be all the way at the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the totem pole, and so we put him over here on the top, I'm in the middle, and he is on the bottom. The third guy is on the bottom. That's the way it is. So again, when there are two people, the more chashav one is on the right, is on the left, and the less is on the right, and when there are three people, the most chashav one is in the middle, Second guy is on top of him over here, and the third guy is by his feet on the bottom. That's what the Gemara says. The Yerushalmi says something very interesting, and I'll quote from directly from the Yerushalmi. 
after quoting that Gemara, Amar of Shmuel bar of Yitzchak, this Yerushalmi and Tainus Parak Dalad Halacha Beis, Avais Derech Hesav Hein Kiburin. The Avais in Ma'aras Hamachpela were buried in the same way that they would have been Mesav. The same way, the same pecking order as applies to reclining Heseba applies to the Avais Hakadoshim the way they were buried in the Ma'aras Hamachpela. So what does that mean? The Mefarshim explained, if you see the Karbaneda and the Pneumesha on the, on the Daf of the Yerushalmi, they, they both say, and this is what the Ragged Shavar takes as, as his understanding as well, that Avram Avinu was in the middle. He's the most chashuv. Yitzchak was on top of Avram Avinu, meaning Yitzchak was over here. Yitzchak was to his left. And Yaakov Avinu was to the right because he was number three. And that's how they were buried in Maris HaMachpelah. So if you'd have an aerial shot of Maris HaMachpelah, Avram would be in the middle, Yitzchak would be to the left of Avram Avinu, and Yaakov would be all the way on the right of Avram Avinu. So the Ragged Shavr says that that's the shot in this Pasuk. What, what do they have to do? Think about it. Originally, when they were buried, Avram was buried over here in the middle, and Yitzhak was buried on his right. Now comes Yaakov Avinu down from Mitzrayim, and they have to bury Yaakov. But they had to abide by this Yerushalmi, Derech HaSeba. So what did they have to do? How do you reshuffle the deck, as it were? How are you able to bury the Aves HaKadoshim in the appropriate way? You have to what? Avram Avinu could stay exactly where he was, in the middle. He's always going to be over here. Now, Yitzchak, who was buried next to Avram Avinu on Avram Avinu's right, he has, to be take, he has to be taken up and moved now, reburied to Avram Avinu's left. And Yaakov Avinu now could be buried on Avram Avinu's right. So basically, Avram stays where he is. But Yitzchak has to be reburied in order for him to be in the proper place to Avram's left. And Yaakov gets replaced, he replaces Yitzchak in that burial spot. This is the way the Gemara seems to be saying it had to happen. Zakhtar Ragachavar, that's the pshat in the Pasuk. The Pasuk that says that Yosef returned from Mitzrayim, him and his brothers, from burying his father, not talking about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, that was but you know when they buried Yaakov Avinu? Only after Yitzchak, his father, was reburied. Yitzchak had to be reinterred, he had to be taken out of his kfura and moved to the left of Avram Avinu, that's Acharei Kavrayas Aviv, and then Yaakov Avinu was buried in the Makim of Yitzchak. This is the Ragged Shavar's brilliance. It's not, I mean, it's, it's a Yerushalmi, really. But he's just plugging into this Pasuk, the Yerushalmi, in a very brilliant and elegant way. There's a... Parenthetically, I, I was looking at this daf in Yerushalmi. I don't have very many opportunities to look at Yerushalmi's. And in the Mariachonim, which is a pirish on the bottom of the Yerushalmi, it says a very interesting thing about, it says a whole story. I don't know if, it's, if people are aware of it. I've never heard it, but I, Baruch Hashem, I found it. A lot of times I see things in, you know, in secondary sources. This is a primary source that I, saw on my own. I don't know if anyone, you know, quotes it or knows of it. People that are obviously, you know, not holding in Yerushalmi's. But it's a very interesting fact. The Mariah says a story. He says that when I was in Italy, I spoke to a shliach from Hebron. Apparently there was an emissary that came from Hebron. And this emissary from Hebron, I guess he was collecting money maybe for Hebron, and he started, they started talking, and of course, if you're from Hebron and, and you're speaking to a Tamachachim, a Tamachachim is probably inevitably going to bring up the Maris Machpelah. And they started talking about the Maris Machpelah, 
and he was under some false information. This was, you know, going back, I guess, a few hundred years. Not sure exactly when the Maripanim lived, to be honest with you. But uh, whenever he lived, it was obviously not within the last uh, 50, 60 years. It was, it was before that. And there was no, uh, they didn't have opportunity to know firsthand what was going on by the Maris Machbeil like we have today. But he said, I, I, I heard that the Arabs, this is what the Maripanim tells the Shlech, I heard that the Arabs have the right to come in and daven whenever they want and that Jews are not allowed. And he says, no. He says, the Jews are not allowed in the Maris Machbeil and neither are the Arabs. And there's an Arab guard that's watching the Ma'aris Machpela constantly, and he doesn't let anyone in. If you come in, you're, you're, you're put to death. Jew and Arab alike. He says, but my mother, this is the Shliach of Kevran talking, my mother is a, was a, uh, she knows a lot about medicine, and the guard was in desperate need of medical attention, and they immediately called my mother to, to help him. And he was grateful to her. And he, as a Hakar Satayv, he says, listen, I'm gonna, I'll bring you into the Maris Machpelah, but no one could find out, obviously. And so she came and she brought her son, her young son, who was this, the, the future Marap on him. And he said that he, this guard did not allow us to go down into the Ma'ara because no one's allowed to go down there, but there was a kippah, like a, a big dome, I guess it's still existent now, and on top of the dome of the Maris Machpelah is written exactly where below the Ovis are buried, and I saw with my own eyes that the way that they were buried is Avram, then Yitzchak, then Yaakov. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov whether it's from right to left, left to right, I don't know. But the order was not the way the Derech HaSeibah. And he asked this as a kasha on the Gemara. Historically, is it tr- if it's true, this Gemara, that it's Derech HaSeibah that they were buried, how do you square that away with the fact that on the top of the Maras HaMachpelah, it's written, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. So he says, I think that when the Gemara says that the Avais were buried, Derech and it's not talking about the second step in the Gemara, that when there are three Chashuvim, when there are three people, then you bury, you know, A and then B and then C. But it's talking about just the first part of the Gemara, that when there's two people, you bury the most Chashuvah one to the left and the second Chashuvah one to the right of him. And so it was Avram and then Yitzchak. And then when Yaakov was buried, Yaakov was put in the, next to Yitzchak. So it was Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And that's the way it was. And that's how he teaches the Gemara that there was, uh, that the others were there, Chaseba, meaning just Avram and Yitzchak, not Yaakov. Yaakov had to be buried to the right of, of Yitzchak because he was the last Chashuv. So, meaning you just do it in the order of the burial. You don't reinter anybody. You don't take anyone out of the ground and, and like the Ragged Shavar proposes and put, you know, Yaakov and Yitzchak in Yaakov's spot and in next to Avram and then put Yaakov and Yitzchak. No! Avram was buried and Yitzchak was buried next to him and then when Yitzchak, when Yaakov was buried, he was, ne- he was buried next to, next to Yitzchak and that's the way it is and that's the Pasha Shad and the Gemara says the Ma'apanim. He just, uh, parenthetically, parenthetically, he, uh, he says that he also told me that there is a box in the Maris HaMachpelah which says Esav on it. And he says that's where, this is what the, the Shlech said, that the Arab told him, this is where the head of Esav is buried. Because we know, he says, and this is like the Gemara in Saita that says that Chushim ben Don came and knocked his head off, as we all know, and it rolled into the Maris HaMachpelah, and they actually, it, it, it stems historically because there is a box in the Maris HaMachpelah that says Esav, and everything is beautiful. Okay. I mean, not for Esav, but for, for everybody else. So, by the way, Rav Aaron Cutler says, why is it that the head of Esav rolled, it was Zeichet to Kvur in the Maris HaMachpelah? He says, the head of Esav was fine. So Esav, Esav was Hamachacham. Esau was no slouch and learn. You think Esau is the son of the son of it. You think he didn't know Babli or Shalmi Taisefta? You knew it. The problem with Esau was not his head, it was his body. His body was constantly getting the best of him and you know, running after Taivas. His head was fine. So his head was Zaycha Tikvur. The rest of his body wasn't. But his head was fine. That's what they say Bashem Ravaran Kotlin. So so far, 
we have two pshatim in how the Avis were buried. We have either the Pashtus and the Yerushalmi, the way the Ragged Shavit says it, that there was Avram in the middle, Yitzchak to his left, and Yaakov to his right. That's the way, the, and that's the Pashtus and the Gemara, that's the way uh, the Nesek Halim on the Yerushalmi explained this Gemara, that Avis Derech Hesed Hein then we have the Marapanim that says, no, I heard historically that that's just not so, that it's Avram and then Yitzchak and then Yaakov, and he gives his own pshat and how to understand that Yerushalmi. And now we're going to get a third pshat in how the Avis were buried. I think we're covering all of our basis in any possible way how to bury the Avis. What? Okay, I knew, you, I knew somebody would say I don't know if it would be you, but I knew somebody would say that. Okay. So the, the other way of burying, the other way of burying the Avis, or, or at least another way, is the way that Rav Shimshim Pincus in his Sefer describes it. And he says, he has another problem. He's not working so much with the, uh, with, with historical facts. He didn't say any, you know, and he had access to the Amaris Machpel. He didn't bring that up. But he said as follows. He says, I don't believe that Avram Avinu was buried in the middle and that Yitzchak should be buried on one side of him and Yaakov on the other side of him because of a more metaphysical reason. Because we know that Avram Avinu was Midas HaChesed. Everybody knows that. Avram Avinu was Chesed Avram. Chesed was the Midah that was embodied by Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu with his Archim and with bringing the Rabbani Shlam to the world. Avram Avinu was the epitome of Chesed. He was the pillar of Chesed in the world. Yitzchak Avinu was the exact opposite, the polar opposite of Avram Avinu's Midah was din, chesed on one end of the spectrum, din on the other end of the spectrum. Din, uh, Yitzchak was kulay din, he was an ayla tamima, everything was, by, was perfect, there was no chesed involves, you know, I, I, I see people and I overlook their, their chesreinus and I'm just, I just want to do chesed, I don't care if it's with Arabs, with Jews, with malachim, everyone, I'm just open-hearted to everybody and I don't look at, at anyone in any judgmental way, everything is, is beautiful in the world, that's chesed. Din is, everything is strictness. Everything is, has to be perfect and it has to be, you know, there's no margin of error. That was Yitzchak. Yitzchak was this perfect ayla tamima that everything was just so and it had to be just so. That's not to say that he never engaged in chesed, chesed shalom. And it's not to say that Avram Avinu never engaged, but the embodiment of Avram was pure chesed and the embodiment of Yitzchak was din. The Avaida of Yaakov Avinu, this is known in the Svarim HaKadoshim, was a mizug, a seamless blending, a synthesis of Avram Avinu's Midah and Yitzchak Avinu's Midah. Meaning Yaakov comes along, he was the Bechir Shebavis, and he took his grandfather's chesed, he took his father's din, he put it in a proverbial pot, he stirred it together, and he created this perfectly balanced, homogenous mix of chesed and din. That was Yaakov Avinu's Midah. It was somewhere in the middle between chesed and din. He, he took part of chesed, part of din, mixed it together, and that was Yaakov Avinu. Zuckter Pincus, if that's true, I don't see it as a possibility that Avram Avinu should be in the middle. But rather, Avram Avinu should be on one side, Yitzchak should be on the other side, and Yaakov should be smack dab in the middle between them because that's what he, his mission in life was taking from Avram, taking from Yitzchak, and bringing it all together right in the middle and finding that blend, finding that balance. And so I hold that Yaakov Avinu had to be in the middle. So now we have three options. Either Avram in the middle, Yitzchak here and Yaakov there, Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov, or Avram, Yaakov and Yitzchak. 
Repinkus explains further, because he still has to deal with the Yerushalmi. But before he gets to the Yerushalmi, he gives us another very important, um, very important piece of information. Reb Chaim writes in the Hakdama to his rabbi, the Vilna Gain Sefer, called Safar Ditzniasa, which was a Kabbalistic work that was published um, by the Gra. He writes there as follows. He says that there was a man in Vilna who was a, uh, a person who was, he describes him as being a chaylem chaloim. He was a dreamer. He was a person that had a certain clairvoyance. He knew things before they happened, or he knew things that had happened that nobody else knew. He was like one of these mentalists that come to yeshiva, some matzai shabbasim, and you know, tell everybody what they know and what they don't know, and, and they're able to, they, they just know everything. And he went over, this is what the Gross said, the Reb Chaim Lajan writes, Neman alai abba shabashamayim shashamatim v'yikadosh. He says, the Rabbinisham should be made on me that I heard from the mouth of the Gra that this Chaylem Chalayim, this dreamer that was in Vilna, that knew everything about everything, told the Vilna Gaim that two weeks ago, on a Thursday, you sat in a certain place, right over there you sat, and your Mechadish in Parshas Ha'azino, this and this, on those psukim, the Yashiv Etzlochem, and by you was sitting, while you were being mechadish these chidushim, these deep Kabbalistic chidushim on Parshas Ha'azino, Rashbi Mi'amin Va'arizal Mismail. Reb Shimon was sitting on your right, and the Arizal was sitting on your left, and you were in the middle. And the Vilna Gain didn't fight this. The Vilna Gain didn't debate this. So this is something that the Chaim Lajan is saying about the greatness of the Gain, that he was zeichet to have the Rashbi on one side, from Shimba Yechai, the Tana, Eleka, and then he had the great Arizal, the greatest of all Kabbalists, sitting on his left side, and the Vilna Gain was in the middle. So Pincus asks a basic question. How did this happen? How does this fly? How does this stim with the Gemara that we just learned together that when three people are sitting, the Gadol has to be Be'emtza in the second place on the, on the right and the third place on the left? The Vilna Gain was the, was the greatest pillar of, of everything that we have you know, from the 1700s onward, but he wasn't the Rashbi. And he wasn't the Arizal. This is what Pincus says. As far as I'm concerned, you know, he was everything. But, but assuming this is a Pincus, Pincus says, how can you say that he's the God of Shabakulon? And you know what, what Pincus says? He says something fascinating. He says, in a sense, the Vilna Gain was the God of Shabahan. How could the Vilna Gain be greater than Rabshimon by Yechai? How could the Vilna Gain be greater than the Arizal? You know how? Because there's a Pasuk in Kaihalas. The Pasuk in Kaihalas, Parakhtes, Pasuk Dalit says, La Kelev Chai, if you have a living dog who tithe minhar yehames, it's better than a dead lion. A lion, when it's alive, is the king of the jungle. It's powerful, it's regal, it's strong, it's brave, it's courageous. It's, we know how great the lion is. The lion is it. But there's a day that comes that the lion dies. And the day that the lion dies, you can have a puppy. You can have a little poodle and a chihuahua that's not, there's no shaykhs to the lion. But the fact that that puppy is alive makes it greater, says Shleim HaMelech and Kahelas, than the live, than the dead lion. Because a lion is dead. Once a lion is dead, it's not alive. And therefore, every living being, even a Kelev, that's Chai, is at that point greater than the Aryeh Shemes. So Pincus says, you know why the Gros sat in the middle between the Rashbi and the Arizal? Because, in a way, he was the God of Shebehen. Because he was alive. 
when the Vilna Gain is alive, the Rashbi is the Rashbi, and the Arizal is the Arizal, and forever they will be the greatest of greats, but they were no longer alive at the time. And the Vilna Gain who was alive, he may not have been on their Madrega, but he was alive. And the fact that he was alive gives him the status of Agadol Shevakulan. Merely because he had a pulse. He was the Gra also. But he was a Gra that was alive. That gives him a status higher than the Arizal and the Rashbi. Zakhtar Pincus. Yaakov Avinu Loimais, the Gemara in teaches us. Yaakov Avinu on a certain level never died. That we know about Yaakov Avinu. And the Gemara automatically starts scratching its head as we're probably all in this room what do you mean? The Gemara in this week's parsha says that they were masked him, they buried him. They embalmed him. If he was alive, what were they doing? Being masked him, embalming him. Whoa, whoa, what's going on? Burying him. So Gemara says, all right, you know, that's a good question, but Mikrani Dairish, it's a pasuk that they darish in that says that Yaakovino is still alive. Mahu b'chaim, azara b'chaim, afu b'chaim, the Gemara Darshans. Yaakov Avinu has a b'china of being alive. He's considered to be a living entity. Avraham Avinu and Yitzchak were greater than Yaakov, but they were no longer alive. The Gemara never says that Avraham Avinu loymeis, Yitzchak Avinu loymeis, only Yaakov Avinu loymeis. So Zakhtar Pincus, I believe... Contrary to the Naisekalim on the Yerushalmi and the Ragachavar, which is, you know, it's pretty, it takes a lot of guts to do this, but this is Rapinkas, he was great. And he says, I believe a different shot in the Yerushalmi. I believe that the way they were buried was Avram Miamin, Yaakov in the middle, because he was the Gadol Sheban, he was alive, like the Gra was alive, he was alive, and Yitzchak was on the right hand side. And so he says, who is the one that had... He says, I'm saying shot like the Ragachev, just with a little difference. The Ragachev says, Achrei Kavreis Aviv means who? Yitzchak. They had to rebury. Because that's the way it, it turned out. If you have Avram and then Yitzchak, Yitzchak had to be moved over here and Yaakov could be placed in his place. No. He says, I'm saying that there was Avram and then there was Yitzchak. Avram on the right, on the left, and Yitzchak on the right. Here comes Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov had to be put in Avram's spot. And they had to rebury Avram to the left of Yaakov because Yaakov has to be in the middle. Avram is on his left. Yitzchak is on his right. And I'm saying, says Rapinkas, a different shot in the Pasuk, that when it says that they went to bury Yaakov, they buried Yaakov where Yaakov was buried in the middle. Achre Kavreis Aviv. Aviv doesn't mean literally his father. It means his father's father because Avi Aviv is also called Aviv. So they, who, the Pasuk is talking about Avram. Avram Avinu was, had to be reinterred on the far left. Yaakov was put in Avram's slot and Yitzchak remained in his place. So basically what we come out with today is that we're not sure exactly where the Avis are buried in Maris HaMachpelah. If you like history, you'll go with the Mara upon him. And I don't know exactly the way, I didn't, I should have looked it up, but I don't know how the Maris HaMachpelah today is situated, but I don't know where they're buried, but I assume it's also Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the Mara upon him, and he has his shot in the Yerushalmi. The rugged Shavr and the Nice Kalim on the Yerushalmi say, Avram in the middle, Yaakov, Yitzchak on his left, and Yaakov on his right. And Rapinka says that it was Yaakov in the middle, he was alive, and he was the Gadol Sheban because he was alive. Yitzchak was on his uh, left, and ya- on his right, and Avram Avinu was on his left. I want to just share with you some ideas based on this Rapinkas. This is just some, I think it's an interesting idea to know about all of these different ways of uh, possibilities of how the Avis HaKadoshim were buried in the Maris Machpela. Um and that alone is very chashuv. But I just want to 
spend the next few minutes of the Shmuz just discussing what Rapinkus perhaps means on a deeper level and how to apply it to ourselves. Rapinkus is saying to us a very important Yisait that Shlema Melech said way before him. When we're alive, the fact that each and every one of us is alive, and this is very important to speak about in Parshas Vayechi, because Vayechi is about life. And when we're alive, oftentimes we so take for granted the fact that we are living. And we don't really utilize that. We don't really see ourselves as anything special. We just see ourselves as occupying space. And, yeah, I'm alive, but so what? I'm dust on the earth. I'm nothing. I'm just, uh, you know, other people are alive, and there's billions of people out there, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm like not really relevant in the big frame of, in the big picture. We have to understand how important it is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the gift of life and that we're here today. You know, the day that the Chazin Ish was nifter was a, a terrible day in Klal Yisrael. He was nifter in, on the 16th day of Cheshvan in the year 1954. And the city of Bnei Brak and all of Torah Jury was plunged into deep Avelis. The, the Chazanish was the Ahmed of Taira in Eretz Yisrael and throughout the world. He was Rosh Kabbane Agayla. He was the head of the entire world. There's very few people that you could say that he was the real Rashka Bahag. He was one of them. Rav Chaim Meiser was one of them. Rav Shach was one of them. The Chazanish was a major, a major figure in Klal Yisrael. He was the Gadol Adar. He was the Gadol. He was the biggest Hamad Chacham of the Dar. And he was a person that everybody respected and everybody knew his Yerushalayim, his Kedusha. They went him for Eitzis. He was able to give Eitzis on everything, on medical. He was, oh, the doctors came, the biggest doctors came to confer with him because he knew from the Torah all of the Chachmas in the world. And so the day that he died was a, was a terrible day. And the entire Bnei Brak came out to give him Kavad Achran and gave him Hespedim and, and were Malavahim. There weren't hundreds of thousands of people like we saw in Bnei Brak a few weeks ago with the Petiru of Steinemann. There weren't hundreds of thousands of people in the entire Eretz Yisrael at that time, Charedim. But whatever, whoever was there, the thousands of people that were living during that time came to give him Kavad Achran. It was a very, very terrible, trying and emotionally... A horrific day. There was a young boy who was 15 years old that after the Kvura, he went into a, into a base medrash, even though he was very sad, he went into a base medrash and he opened up his Gemara and he tried as hard as he could to muster a little bit of, of, of concentration to be able to sit and learn. And he was trying, and he was singing it a little bit, and he was trying to get into it, but it was hard. He kept thinking about the Chazanish and the loss of the Chazanish. And into the same base medrash came, maybe an hour later, a middle-aged Rav who was wearing a kapata, and he looked like a Rosh Hashiva. He had a black beard with some gray in it, and he basically sat down and he also looked very spent from the day and he looked like he was you know, going through terrible torture and the young man looked over and sees this hush of a looking yid he looked somewhat familiar but he couldn't really place who he was and, and he kept on learning eventually the older man comes over to this 15 year old yeshiva bacher and he stares directly in his eyes and he says to him, do you know that the Chazanish was nifter today? He didn't know. Maybe he thought this, this boy was in a bubble and he was just sitting and learning the whole day in the base Medrash. He says, are you aware of the fact that the Chazanish, the great Chazanish was nifter today? So the Bachar was wondering why this man was asking him this because everybody knew. And then... This rabbi, this rab, continued and said to this bacher, he says, you should know something. He says, the chazin yish, 
was a lion. The Chazanish was the undisputed leader of Torah jury. There was no one like the Chazanish. And then he continued and he says, and all I am, I'm a little dog, says this Rav. I'm a dog. But then he says, you know something? As great as the lion was, Shleim Amelch teaches us in Kahelas, the Pasuk that we said before, that when there's a dog that's alive that's greater than a dead lion. And then at this point, this man grabbed the startled teenager and he shook him. And he said to him, we no longer have the God Ladar. We lost the God Ladar. And the roar of the lion is now gone. He says, but we, the two of us, were alive. And even though we pale in comparison to the great Chazanish, he says, but now we are greater than him because we are alive. On a certain level, we are greater than the Chazanish because we are alive. He softened his grip. He sat down next to the young man and he said, would you like to learn together? He says, please, it's so important. Let's learn a little bit together. And they sat and they learned. And after a while, he gets up and he thanks this Bachar for agreeing to learn with him and the Bachar smiled. And this Rav starts walking out of the room and the Bachar says, by the way, he says, I never got a chance to ask the Rav's name. And the Rav turns around just as he's about to exit the base Madrash and he says, my name is Shach, Laser Shach. And he walks out. Rav Shach is teaching us a very important lesson that when you lose an Adam Gadol, it's a tragedy for Klal Yisrael. You have to mourn, and you have to understand what we lost. If you read stories about Rav Steinemann, and we discussed many of the stories, we told them over by the Hanukkah Tish, and we, we spoke it over last week a little bit in the Shmuz, you realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu just sent this man to our generation, even though he could have lived 500 years ago and been a gadol and been, and been perfectly comfortable back then. He had zero interest in any of the creature comforts that we are so used to and we need so badly. And it's a tragedy and you have to learn as much as you can from his life. Try to some way adopt some of his anhagas on a, on a certain level, on a very minute level even, and his Hasmada, and his Yerushalayim, and his, his Amelos, his Yagiya, whatever he had, try to take something from it. Because it would take an army of people to, you know, to even begin to replace what, what we've lost. You know, somebody was once speaking in a derogatory manner about, the, about, about Rav Steinman back in a day that he issued a certain talk that was a little controversial in certain um, circles. And somebody told this person that was speaking derogatorily about Rav Steinemann, told him back then, he says, I want you to know something about whom you're talking. He says, maybe you're not familiar with this, who Rav Steinemann is. Maybe he thought he was just like, a, you know, like somebody that you could talk about, and you could push around, and you could be mavaza. I said, I'll tell you something about, the, about Rav Steinemann. He says, what you learned in 40 years, Rav Steinemann learns in one day. He says, and what you ate in one day, Rav Steinemann didn't eat in 40 years. For 40 years of, of, of Rav Steinemann's diet, you ate in one day. And Rav Steinemann's learning in one day, you didn't learn in 40 years. Just to give you an idea of what, who this man is, I mean, before we start, you know, giving the rest of the shmuz, which maybe, you know, isn't appropriate even to give, but just to get some hakara about who this Aryeh Hames was. 
And there's two ways to react when you lose a gadol. You can either say that he was so great and he was so untouchable that, you know, it's, I don't even want to be gutterous the whole thing. I don't even want to think about it because it's, it's, it's so apples and oranges. He's so, he was in a, you know, in a different universe than I. So what can I learn from him? It's sort of like the same way that a lot of people don't like reading biographies about Gedalim because it just freaks them out. Like, what can I learn from this man? This man finished Shas by the time he was, you know, by his upsharing. Like, what, what am I, who am I to, you know, to, to even, I, what, do, what do I take from Ramesha Feinstein? What can I take from, from the Stipler? From, these are people that were in different leagues, different, different, different galaxies than I. That's one way of looking at a Gadol. And it's, that, there is truth to that. There's no doubt about it. But another way of of responding on a certain level is that there is one way that I am the Gadol in a sense and that is that I am still alive and as long as I'm alive I have something today that Rav Steinemann no longer has and that's my ability to grow my ability to learn my ability to do mitzvahs in a way I am I'm a Kelev but I'm a Kelev Achai and that ability to live gives me an upper hand in a sense. It, it should inspire me, it should animate me, it should drive me to greater and greater aspirations merely because I'm alive. The Vilna Gayan on the last day of his life, he was Nifter and Chalamayed Sukkis in 1797. And we know that on the last day of his life, or towards the end of his life, he took his tzitzis in his hands, and he started crying. And he said the following. He says that in this world, a person for a few dollars, for a few kopecks, whatever term he used, a person is able to buy a pair of tzitzis and wear it and, and be zeichet to a tremendous amount of schar. Every time we wear tzitzis, you know, shkula tzitzis can't call a mitzvah, so it's, a, it's a fabulous mitzvah. He says, in the next world, he says, after I die, whenever that is, and I know that my end is coming near, after I die, I could give billions of dollars and I will not be able to buy a pair of tzitzis anymore. Every one of us in this room are gedalim in a certain sense. Just merely the fact that we are alive gives us a very enviable position to be in. One time the Kutzker was, he was sitting in a, he came to a cheder to fahar young boys, to, to test young boys. And he walks in and the Rebbe was teaching them for a long time about how to read the end of Parashas Bereshis, where it goes into all of the generations from, from Admarishan until Nayach, and it speaks about, you know, this person lived, and then he died. This person lived, and then he died, and, and they were touching it based on the way the Rebbe was saying it, and the Rebbe was so proud, he was doing, that he taught these Talmudim so great, and here was the Kotzka sitting, and, you know, the Rebbe thought that he would be very impressed by the way he taught all of these young charges how to say the parsha, And the way that they would read it was that he said, each boy confidently began the pasuk, Vayechi, and then he, they touched it in Yiddish, Uner Hat Gilept, and then Vayamais, after describing who the name and how many years, Vayamais, Uner Hat Gishtarben. And he died. They touched in Yiddish. Vayechi sheis v'ret on erat gelept and he lived. Vayamas on erat kishtarben and he died. And then again, again and again. This is how they read the psukim. And the kotzker stopped. He says, "You don't know how to how to teach a pasuk." And the rebbe thought maybe is you know is I teaching it wrong? Doesn't vayechi mean that he lived and vayamas mean they died? Basic Hebrew, basic Yiddish. What, 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 what am I doing wrong? And the Kotzker grabs the Chumash and he said, this is how you read the Pasuk. Vayechi on Erhatke left. The top of his lungs. 
Und dann at the end of the Pasuk, war Yamas. Und er hat gestorben. And then the next Pasuk begins, war Yechi und er hat gelebt. War Yamas. And er hat gestorben. And the point of the Kotzker was that when you're saying the word Vayechi, you have to feel alive. You have to understand the power of a human being to live, to breathe, to be able to walk, to talk, to be able to daven, to learn, to be able to be nice to your friends and your family, to be able to do chesed with others. Vayechi is not just a, another word in the dictionary. Vayechi has to be a burning sensation, a reality. I am alive. And when a person is dead, that has to be muted. Vayomas, it's tragic. You know why it's tragic? Not just because of the loss to his family, to his friends, because he no longer is alive. If we would understand the gift of life and how amazing it is that we are alive, we would be so thrilled, we would be dancing every day to yeshiva. We'd be, we'd be so happy, we'd be so grateful for the mere fact that we're alive. Rabbi Shlomo Freifeld used to stay over this story about the Kotzker and he used to say that based on this story, I think I have another pshat in the Pasuk in Hallel. David HaMelech says, Le'amos kiechye v'asapem maise means simply, I will not die. But rather I will live and I will tell over the stories of Hashem. He says, no. He says, When I'm alive, I don't want to be dead. I'm not going to be dead when I'm alive. When I'm alive, I want to be fully alive. I want to be fully animated. I want to appreciate it. I want to chaperine when I'm alive. I don't want to be one of these people that are walking around dead. The living dead. People walking around depressed, despondent, complaining all day. Depressed. Yish. Atzvus. That's death. Death is I can't do anything. I'm paralyzed by the realities of my life. It's too daunting what I'm, what I'm up against. No. When I'm alive, there was no one that had more challenges in life than David HaMelech. David HaMelech, you don't want to be David HaMelech for one minute. He had such terrible challenges from his childhood to, his, to the day that he died. And every day in between, it's true that he was a Melech of Israel. But if you know a little bit about David HaMelech's life from the time that he was born and with his brothers, with his father, and then later with, with the Mice of Bathsheba and with Shaul and with Avshalom and all of the terrible mutinies and he had a horrible life, David HaMelech, in a certain sense. But David HaMelech never allowed those episodes in his life to get him down. I am not going to permit death to creep into me when I'm alive. That's how I'm going to proclaim the divinity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Life is so precious and we squander it because we get upset about the stupidest of things, and I'm no different. I also do. But I'm talking to myself. All my shmoos, and I think you know, are all really directed towards me, and you could listen. But it's all about me. Not it's all about me, but it's all directed to me. I need the Muslim more than any of you. Because we let these shtus and avolim get into our brains, and they bother us, and they haunt us. And Parshas Vayechi is a wake-up call to be alive. Don't allow death to creep into our life. Death means I'm paralyzed and I'm an inmate. I can't do anything because I'm so, I'm so frustrated with my lot in life. I wish I was that guy. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. If only I had this. If only I was born into that family. If only I had more money. If only I had a different shidduch, uh, a different this, a different job, a different career, a different major. I'd be so much happier. That's death. That's paralyzation. That's not being able to move. I don't want that in my life. I want to be able to be fully alive when I'm alive. I want to be able to appreciate all the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me. If I'm able to walk, I'm able to talk, then I could change. I can move forward. I can improve myself. I can improve the situation. 
I could daven to the Rabbi Shalom that he should improve the situation. But rejoice in the fact that you're alive. Because all the G'daylam Asher Ba'aretema, they were G'daylay Aylam that we can't fathom their greatness, but we're alive. And we could do a lot that they can't, merely by sitting and learning, by here, by being at the Shmuz today, by being able to have Shabbos tonight. Whatever we do is like the G'daylam are like jealous of us almost, because we have something that they don't have. We have the ability to continue growing, moving, being alive, being passionate, changing, evolving, becoming better, becoming greater. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be anywhere else but in a state of mind of being alive. I once heard a story about the Chavetz Chaim. It's an amazing story. I don't know if it's true. I've seen other versions of it, so I know that it's sort of true, but I don't know. But this is a story that I heard and I love. The Chavetz Chaim was dancing on Simchas Torah with everybody else, and the whole yeshiva was Lebedik. And during one of the hakafas, the Chavetz Chaim sneaks out of the base medrash, and he goes into like a, a classroom, a shear room, which was empty. Now we know that a lot of times, you know. A classroom is never empty when the Chavetz Chaim is there. There's always a bacher either that you know, was there already and the Chavetz Chaim didn't notice him or he sneaks in after the Chavetz Chaim was in there. But there's always people that were watching the Chavetz Chaim and, and, and trying to learn more from this great tzaddik. And this is what happened in this room on Simchas Torah. The Chavetz Chaim starts talking to himself loudly. And he begins to illustrate for himself what's going to be after he dies. And Ke'ilu, like he just died, and now there is malachim that are makatragim, that are accusing him of things, and there are other malachim that are defending him. And this is the way it was playing itself out. There were malachim that were saying about the Chavetz Chaim, he was a tzaddik hadar, he was so chashav, he, he wrote the Mishnah Bura, he wrote the Shmir Salosha, and he wrote the Chavetz Chaim, he wrote many kuntresim, and many other svarim. He was Marbitz Tari, he went even in his old age all over the world to give chizuk to people. And he deserves a wonderful Elam Haba. And then the other malachim, the Makachigim, get their chance to prosecute. And they say, it's true that he did mitzvahs, and he did a lot of them. But there was one thing that he was missing, that he didn't do them besimcha. He wasn't fully doing them with a full heart of joy. He was doing them, but sometimes he was doing them a little bit with sadness, he was doing them with a little bit of a lack of concentration, lack of zrizos, lack of passion, lack of excitement. And that was a very big kitrug in Shemayim. And because of that kitrug, they were going to not allow him to go into Elam Haba. And it was getting very, very scary. And the tension was building in the room. And the Sakdin was about to come out against the Chavetz Chaim. And all of a sudden, the Chavetz Chaim grabs himself by the lapels. And he says to himself, Abi Yisrael Meir, Abi Yisrael Meir, you're still alive. You still have the opportunity to change. You're not dead yet. You don't have to undergo this terrible din that awaits you. You're still alive. You can rectify things. If I wasn't so besimcha, I could be besimcha now. I could change it. And he rushes back into the base medrash and he starts dancing besimcha rabbah with a joy that the Talmidim never saw him have before. This is the beauty of being alive. When a person is dead, it's a scary thing. Avelos, when a person is in Avelos for somebody that dies, it's because it's, commiser- it's commiserating 
with the with the plight of the of the nifter who has to go through a lot of din b'cheshpen and there has to be you know einshim perhaps leolenu, and so you're sitting shiva because you know rachman and this is the way of all men they die and they have to go through a din b'cheshpen we're all going to go through that someday. The beauty of being alive, though, the beauty of being able to live is that whatever that Din V'cheshwin might be today, and it might not look so pretty, we can change. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us parshas of tshuva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not an angry God, a vengeful God. He wants us, He's rooting for us to succeed. He knows our challenges he knows all that we're up against. He knows how difficult life could sometimes be. But he's the Avarachamim. He wants us to use our life. He gives us every day another chance. We wake up, we say, Maidani, we wash Nagelvaster, and we're able to go and take on a brand new day. And hopefully all of the, the challenges and the pitfalls that we had yesterday will not happen to us again today. That's what life is all about. Life is being excited to be alive, to appreciate every day how chashev it is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me a, another day to live, another day to change. When we're alive, we are greater than our Riyamais. We have to learn from Gedalim that we're nifter, whatever we could take from them. And then add one thing to the ingredient. And that is the recognition that we are now potentially greater than them because we are alive. It's easy to speak about these things, but it's much harder, I know, to implement it. But you know... I don't want to sound like an old man. Maybe I am. But you, each and every one of you, at your stage in life, you are the luckiest person in the world. Because you're B'nai Taira, so you're in the right area, you're in the right, yeah, you're, you're, you're enviable in that regard. You're young. You're healthy, Baruch Hashem. You have your entire life ahead of you. Your, your life is like a, a, like a blank canvas. And you have the option of painting whatever you want on that canvas of your life. You're alive. And you're the commander, you're the captain of your ship, of your destiny. Don't wait to get older and then look back and say, boy, you know, I wish I would have done my life differently. I wish I would have known these facts when I was young, when I was able to, you know, really do something about it. Now you have that option. You're not 80, you're not 90, you're not even 40, you're not 30. Your life is now in its prime and you have the ability to do everything exactly the way you should to be doing it. Parshas Vayechi is the parsha that we could reflect on this, how lucky we are. We're, we're yidden, we're in a great yeshiva, we're young, we have everything that we need to really succeed in our own personal mission in life. And the main thing that we have is the fact that we're alive, that we're youthful, we have passion, we have, we have that energy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. And it's up to us how we're going to use that energy, if it's L'tayv or L'mutav. But this is the greatest time in your life. And understand that when you're living it, when you're living, don't be one of these people that are down. Don't be complainer. Don't be depressed. Fight it. If you have such, 
such an atiyah towards being upset about things, then you're a human being. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're, you're human. And there are many svarim hakadoshim, there are musar svarim, there's machshava svarim that have chapters upon chapters speaking only to B'nai Torah that suffer from feelings of atzvos and yish for whatever reason. It might be because we are we're not as smart as other people in the shir and the yeshiva. It might be because we don't have the zitzfaish, we don't have the hasmada, we don't have the avasatayra. It might be because of family reasons. It might be personal reasons. It might be health reasons. But you have to fight it. You can't allow yourself to become bogged down in your life. Life is too precious to squander with death. When you're alive, be alive. Be positive. Be passionate. See everything as being for the best. And that might sound a little Pollyannish, it might sound a little bit not practical, not realistic, but so what? It's much better to be Pollyannish and pie in the sky sometimes than to be too reality-oriented. When a person is too depressed, he's not going to accomplish anything. Rav Steinemann himself said, I, wrote, I saw it in a Sefer, that is not applicable for Bnei Taira. You're not supposed to look at other people and be jealous in yeshiva. Wow, he's such a masman. Because even if it drives you a little bit, eventually you're going to just stumble and fall. You're going to get depressed. You're going to say, I'm never going to be this guy. He's too big a masman. He's too big of a, a yadin in Taira. He knows everything. I know nothing. And you're going to pack up your bags and leave and get depressed. He says, every single person just has to look internally and you're running a race only against yourself and your own potential. Be happy with who you are, with your kayach and your mayach and your abilities. And just focus inward. Focus on what you have going for you. And focus on how you're going to take that to the next level. And let everything else just work itself out. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't look at other people. Fagin everybody. Be happy for other people. Just work on yourself. Be grateful for the life. Be grateful for your strengths and your creativity and your passion. Everyone has something unique about them. I know so many of you so well. And I know a lot of your mailas and I know your chesreinus. But your mailas are each so great that they eclipse your chesreinus by a thousand miles. You just have to focus on what's great about you and just build on that and don't focus on your chesreinus. And that's what Parshas Vayechi teaches us. That's how Repinkus explains to us that the Maila of Yaakov Avinu, he was Be'emtza, he was the Gadol, because Yaakov Avinu Mace. The Vilna was Be'emtza because the Vilna was alive. Rav Shach was Be'emtza because the Chazinish was no longer alive, and he was. And to a certain degree, Rav Steinemann was the greatest of G'daylam, but we have something that he does not have. We have a godless that he does not have, because we are alive. And potentially we are just as great, if not greater than This is something that I hope everyone will take to heart. This is the time to take it to heart. If you're going to take anything to heart, now is the time. Don't wait until you're my age or until you're your parents' age or your grandparents' age to start thinking about this. Life is chashav. Life is something that you have and you possess. So be alive when you're alive. Don't have death looming overhead while you're alive. Be alive when you're alive. Be passionate. The successful people in life are people that are always really fully animated. They're always on. They're always, I'm not going to let that get me down. I'm going to just keep on going forward. And even if I failed, I'm going to succeed tomorrow. That's the attitude of people that are really alive and really successful. People that are not, are every single thing is a problem. Every failure is not just a failure. It's, a, it's, my, it's my fatal flaw. There's no such thing as a fatal flaw. As long as we're alive, there's nothing fatal about us. Mitzvah Hashem, you should be zaycha to have a chayim, a ruchim, 
but a real Chayim, a Chayim that has a Chayim in it, a Chayim that's really alive, that you're animated, that you're positive, that you're passionate about things, that you figure out what your personal mission is and don't let other people get you down. Don't let people say negativity and let that negativity seep in. Just stay positive, stay focused, stay optimistic, stay hopeful. And then you'll really be Chayim. That's the secret to godless. That's what Vayichi is. The Gadol is Be'emtza. We should always be Be'emtza. We should always be the G'daylem that we are destined to be and use every day wisely. And in Mitzvah Hashem, we should be Zeichet to a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful year.